Broadcast history is about to be made. Extreme close-up! I want you to find out who these guys are and where they do their show. What is this? Mr. Vanderhoff, this is your audience. It's two chimps on a Davenport in a basement. Here I am with the contract for $5,000. Excuse me? Now they're on their way. No way! Way! To fame. Will you still love me when I'm in my carbohydrate sequin jumpsuit? Young girls in white cotton panties, bloated, purple, dead on a toilet face. To fortune. Contractor knows. I will not bow to any sponsor. And to babe heaven. What do you do if every time you see this one incredible woman, you think you're going to hurl? I say hurl. If you blow chunks and she comes back, she's yours. If you spew and she bolts, it was never meant to be. Okay. It's Wade. This is definitely the type of place I'm going to get when I move out of my parents' house. It's Garth. I love you, God. If she were a president, she'd be Abraham Lincoln. It's a movie. We're not worthy! We're not worthy! Wayne's World. Hi, Wayne. It just might be the greatest motion picture ever made. Welcome everyone to Cinemarcade. This is the podcast about movies, video games, and the sparks that fly when those two worlds collide. I'm your host, Steve Guntley. Party on, everybody. Uh, who else is joining me today? Uh, I'm J-Ban. Party on. Party uh, on. Justin, hello. <gasps> no, uh, you don't Whoa. want to party on? I, uh, you par- party on. Oh, oh, we almost had to kill and eat you there. That, that could <laughs> have gotten really bad. That's what happens in Wayne's World 3. Somebody fails to say party on and they kill and eat him. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah, that one only got released they Definitely, in I'm guessing they took a dystopian turn. They, it did. It, it got did. real okay. dark real quick. They, had to, they always have to do the gritty reboots. Do you remember Highlander? <laughs> I never saw Highlander. You were in... I is such a weird movie like it's really great and weird yeah but especially highlander 2 when it's the like quickening the quickening <laughs> okay i'll save it for a future podcast Yeah, wait the quickening <laughs> didn't make sense to you you can't succinctly uh, explain what quickening is to it's all like of us being electrocuted in a storm after you decapitate someone because you're an alien by the moon kind of doesn't the moon have something to do with it it's no, been a it's while not the moon it's just the electricity in the air um and you're and taking their power yeah i don't i, I don't know i also watch the tv show like uh, other than the sexy accents <laughs> and swords oh, the, i love the sexy accents the, and swords. the scottish accent by way of deep france <laughs> yeah <laughs> christopher <laughs> lambert and and sean connery's perfect uh, uh, uh spanish accent perfect spanish accent <laughs> Wait, oh they, i'm from they, spain they have a movie where people are speaking in scottish accents yes and they have sean connery not you're, be Sean Connery. Your two leads are Christopher Lambert, a very French actor, uh-huh. and uh, Sean Connery, a very Scottish actor. And they made Sean actor. Connery Spanish. Sean yes. Connery does not do voices. He does his voice. That's all he can do. And they just rolled with it because he's charismatic as fuck. Did you know Sean? this? Do you know Me. Sean Connery was once in South Pacific in uh, Edinburgh? He was in the South Pacific oh. production. I would love to see him as like 
eats nothing like a demon. <laughs> oh, there's nothing like a demon. Nothing in the world. <laughs> Bring on money, Penny. Of course, obviously, today we are talking about Highlander. Uh, uh, no, we're talking about Wayne's World. Uh, but we're going to come around. Now. I'm going to see if there's a Highlander game because I want to come around to this conversation. Oh, be, right? Also, one last thought on Highlander. It bothers me that there's more than one. There should be only one. I mean, <laughs> the only thing I know about Highlander is, okay, there, I know two things. One, there should only be one. And two, if you cut somebody's head off, I guess you get their power. Yeah, you're the new them? one. I don't know. And the killer queen songs. <gasps> Which this movie has in common, actually. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Whoa, hey, that was actually a pretty hey, seamless ooh, segue. segue. I see. Segue. You're playing the long game here. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, yes, today we are talking about Wayne's World. Yes, there is a video game based on Wayne's World. You may be thinking, I saw that movie. It doesn't really lend itself to a video game format. You'd be surprised how right you are. Uh, 100% accurate take. Uh, but we, uh, I, I am excited to be talking about this. Uh, this. This is one of my favorite movies. Like This is just a movie that brings me such abject joy. I think it's one of the best comedies of the 90s. And uh, it's a movie I've probably seen 30-something times. And I'm going to debate this with you. I was debating it with my girlfriend about, uh, is this the... Is this the movie that you could use as shorthand for the 90s? She argues Clueless, which is a really hard Ooh, one to dissuade. Yeah. But I would also argue that Wayne's World set the table for Clueless in a lot of ways. I think Clueless is building off of what's established in this movie. I think movie. that's true. I think definitely Clueless is building off of the sort of comic characters built in Wayne's World. And I think the... Like, I feel like it's a quintessentially 90s movie, which is mm -hmm. really funny because it's only 92, and a lot of movies around 92 have the 80s feel to them. And that's what I love about this movie. I feel like this movie, it, it, it is firmly in the 90s. Like, it, it is, like, shot in the 90s. It's set in the 90s. Like, it is firmly in that era. But it is that weird kind of metamorphosing state where, like, grunge music has happened. It's ascendant, but the, like, hair metal is still kind of in its death throes. So we're getting that crossover culture of, like, there's a little bit of the glam. There's a little bit of the grunge. And, like, we haven't gotten fully cynical yet, but we also aren't quite as silly and, like, excessive as the glam rock era. So it's, like, it's kind of capturing that perfect moment before, like, uh, during the transition, which I think is really fun. Yeah, I, I was actually a little bit surprised, maybe not surprised, but I was like, oh, yeah. Because at one point, I was pretty sure I just heard Chris Cornell's voice. Like, <laughs> he probably is, yeah. One of the songs yeah. that was playing was a Soundgarden song. And or it could have been, like, like, even Temple of the oh, Dog or one oh, of his yeah. early bands Temple or something. Dog, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, With, it's... With uh, Eddie Vedder. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, super yeah. early kind of proto-grunge stuff, but it is... Everybody looks like they're at a Poison concert, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, so it's it's kind of blending those worlds. This is, uh, this is before my dad cut his hair. Oh, yeah. was you, Did your dad do the, the oh, long hair? Yes. Uh, my dad uh, has been growing out his hair, I think, for the last 25 years. Like, now that he's retired, he doesn't give a shit. And my sister braids it for him. It like, oh, goes wow. all the way down his back. He's 71 years old, and he's got a ponytail down to his back, butt crack. So I, uh, I actually... Uh, Weirdly funny story about my dad having long hair. When it came time to cut his hair, he's like, well, what? He, they they met this guy, and he was a, one of the local barbers, and uh, they met him, like, outside of things. And he had basically gotten through, like, school, hair cutting school, whatever. Like barber school, uh, yeah. Barber school by uh, cutting hippies' hair when, <laughs> during that transition period of now we want short hair again. Right. Uh, 
And so he's like, oh, yeah, I've done this hundreds, <laughs> maybe even thousands of times. Let's go. <laughs> it's muscle memory at this point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm envious of people who can do that. Like, I, I, I have a lot of hair, but it grows tall. Like, my hair can't, it can't grow long. It just grows up. So, you know, I, I can't do the cool, like, headbangy hairstyles. But Mine did that until I switched what I was using for shampoo and conditioners and a little bit about, like, uh, the processes of everything, mm. how often I was doing things, stuff like that. The uh, A mark in every young man's life when they start to take care of their hair. Yeah. It, it only yeah. took 28 years. I yeah. <laughs> oh, you there. just started. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, yeah. It was actually a year or two ago because I, during the pandemic, I shaved my head at the beginning oh, yeah. and then didn't get a haircut for like a year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. And so my hair was like getting down past my shoulder a little bit, um, went to a concert and was like, oh, this is great. I can pull my hair up off my neck and this feels incredible. Yeah. Uh, it was a good time. Was yeah. A good time. Uh, yeah, I mean, and I think this this movie really, like, yeah, it's it's kind of blending those eras in a really awesome way, and like, yeah. So uh, I I want to ask your guys' experience with this movie because this one was pretty seminal for me growing up, but I think I am a little older than both of you, so like, I'm curious, did it this was, have the same kind of cultural? It was penetration? a childhood movie for me. Yeah, uh, like I definitely had no idea what swing meant. Uh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Uh, I, we I now know it as the thing that kills kazoos. <laughs> you know. That is all it's good for. Um, I was a small child, and um, I remember uh, my parents wouldn't let me stay up to watch Saturday Night Live. So when they were asleep, I would sneak up and watch Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Uh, and so, like, watching uh, Wayne's World from Saturday Night Live, I, I can't remember if it was before or after the movie came out. I mean, it must have been after. Uh, watching reruns or something. Yeah. Uh, but I just remember just being like, every time a pretty lady's on screen, they do the swing thing. Uh, <laughs> as like, oh, they just must think they're pretty. I had no idea that it was because of they had boners. I like, definitely used to say it on the playground without knowing what it meant. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I think I got away with it because the teachers didn't know what it meant either. So, but yeah, yeah, it's it's a boner, people. It's a boner. <laughs> When, yeah. when it first happened, I had like a like a Spaceballs flashback. Oh, the Schwartz, like, yeah. yeah. I was like, wait a minute, what movie am I watching? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I I watched uh, Wayne's World for the first time at like twenty two. So <laughs> okay, so this uh, is kind of a I knew what was happening. It was probably honestly even later than that. Um, what, what was like your understanding of the movie like when you came to it? Is it like still held in high regard? Like, do people talk about this movie anymore? I don't. I mean, every once in a while, you'll hear like the party on Garth reference, and yeah, I think I've heard like four No Stairway uh, references in my life. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I think it's probably pretty niche, especially since a lot of people these days. Me included, were born after the movie came out. Oh, <laughs> rub so, it in, rub it so in. So we uh, wasn't a thing to just, you know, like the five year period had already gotten there before my memory even had a chance of beginning. Yeah, and so it wasn't uh, relevant. It wasn't like modernly relevant. Yeah, uh, yeah. To any part of my life. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I knew of it. I had heard stuff. I'd heard references, but uh, definitely, I don't think. It, I yeah. think I heard less references to Wayne's World than E.T. Phone Home. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that one's everywhere. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to talk a little bit about SNL because this is mm -hmm. really kind of our 
our best opportunity to talk about the show. Technically, technically, there is another video game adaptation based on a SNL movie, uh, if you count the Blues Brothers. <gasps> some people do, some people don't. I love the Blues Brothers. Blues, Blues Brothers is great. The game's not so much, but uh, that's... The soundtracks uh, are so good. Yeah. Oh, 100%. I feel like they introduced me to blues music. I, know. I got the soundtracks and I played them until like they wore out like on CD. <laughs> I mean, because they're in this kind of nebulous space because... I think they did technically debut on SNL. It was made, obviously the Blues Brothers are two SNL actors, but it's never really been associated with that. Like they had their own albums. They had their own movie. They were kind of always their own thing. Like, and I think you don't really immediately associate them with SNL the way you would with Wayne's World. Wayne's World is immediately, is an SNL movie. So depending on your definition, this is either the first or second SNL movie. And because this was so successful, I think it became like the eighth highest grossing movie of 1992, which is awesome. Ooh. Uh, it, it was so successful, it spawned like this whole run of SNL movies that are almost all terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's why, yeah, it, it kind of beat the whole genre into the ground. We got like It's Pat. We got Night at the Roxbury. We got Superstar, Ladies Man, things like that. I don't think we got another good one until MacGruber, um, yeah. which was like almost 20 years after this. So it has kind of a toxic reputation, and it's something I think it's good that they don't try anymore because it's really hard to stretch, like, a 10-minute skit, and SNL skits tend to be very catchphrase-focused, so it's hard to build a 90-minute narrative movie around that. And I think this one succeeds because it does not try to stick to the format of the show. So the Mm -hmm. Wayne's World skits on the show... We're basically just, it was the cable access show that they have here. It's just them. We're watching their cable access show. They're usually like doing top 10 lists of like just different random things that are on their mind. It's basically an early podcast, you know? Um, and it's just kind of these very, very specific weird characters that Mike Myers and Dana Carvey came up with. And uh, I, I don't know the synthesis that went into making this a movie. I know the skits were popular, but, you know, it, eventually this just got spearheaded into a film. Uh, this was Mike Myers's, I think, his film debut. I want to say he might have had one so. or two think, smaller was, like yeah. projects in Canada or something. But um, this was his film debut, and uh, you know, it, it just was this runaway hit. They followed it up immediately with Wayne's World Two the following year. Like so, it was just like such an immediate turnaround. And that movie's fine. It's uh, it's a step down, but it's it's fine for how quick and shoddy they put it together. Um, and then. Mike Myers is kind of this weird figure because he works like once every or once or twice a decade, turns out something that's massively, massively successful and then disappears. Like, so it's like Wayne's World, Austin Powers, uh, once that's a Shrek and then disappears for like. 15 years and then he mm-hmm. pops in I mean, in Inglorious Bastards and then disappears and then the love guru sucks and he Wait, disappears. he was in Inglorious Bastards? Yeah. Yeah. It was a British uh, captain. Yeah, he, he gives Michael Fassbender his mission. Uh, in the, it's just oh, kind of a, it's a one scene okay. performance he's but he's also good. in um, the Queen biopic he rejects the Bohemian Rhapsody is he? Okay, yeah. okay, <laughs> yeah. Is like in, a complete inside joke to have, you know, um, Wayne uh, reject the Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll get into that in a second because I've got more to say about that. But uh, yeah, I mean, what what are your opinions on SNL in general? So I have never seen an episode of SNL. Okay, Ooh. I've only seen skits on TikTok, and that's it. 
I feel like that's the way it's digested now, yeah. which is probably better because the show is like two and a half hours long. Like it's an hour and a half long. Oh, is it that? It's okay, an hour and a half long. I rem- maybe it just feels longer because uh, the back hours. It would go from eleven thirty till one a.m. Uh, and then Soul Train would come on. Oh, um. you okay? <laughs> I got infomercials in my market. Yeah, I would have. I would learn about the slap. I I love Saturday Night Live. Like and. I still can't believe how much I got to watch without my parents' permission. Yeah. Um, like, I, I was a horrible child. Uh, I watched <laughs> It when I was six years old because my Ooh, parents yeah. were watching it on TV. And I would stand behind the couch. And when they got up, I would throw myself on the floor. And so, like, they were watching this horror movie where they were having the creepy, like, five- or six-year-old child just staring at the back of their heads. Like a famously traumatizing movie. For a lot of I people. was so yeah. traumatized by it, and I couldn't tell them that I was scared because then they would know I was sneaking up. Oh yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I learned that uh, Santa Claus wasn't real because I had a little tiny TV in my room. Mm. Uh, I'm talking like a 14 inch. I think this thing used to be in like a camper that a family member owned, and. Uh, I really wanted to watch the Cowboy Bebop movie. Okay. And it, it was on that night. And so I stayed up and I heard them rapping all of Santa's gifts. Oh, shit. And I'm like, what is happening? Hello? And I'm just like listening at the door going, oh, no. Santa's not real. I did not tell them for years. After. How how old were you when that happened? Oh, seven or eight. Okay. I, so uh, cute. I think I learned Santa doesn't exist nah, it's probably uh, like when... Justin Wilhelm was on a podcast and mentioned that Santa doesn't exist. Look, <laughs> really broke my heart. Hold on, I, let's let's take a moment okay. and mourn all of us here today who oh. may or may not have just learned that Santa Claus doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, and I hope that you are able to recover from this pain that I have caused you. Yeah, as long as the Easter Bunny is still good, then we're fine. Mm-hmm. Then we're fine. Steve, I uh, we need to talk you about something after the mouth. podcast. <laughs> no, uh, when we're done here today, we we need to have a conversation. Damn it. Uh, for me, for my SNL experience, uh, I'm, I'm always more fascinated by it as an institution than as a show. I think as a show, it's pretty hard to watch. I think they always have individual moments of brilliance and it's more interesting to me as just as this institution and as this kind of incubator for some of like the most talented people who've ever done comedy. Like it's kind of insane. The thing about SNL is that. It's not all good. No. And like, when you look, when you when your show is on for 45 years, yeah. or coming up on 50, yeah. Well, and even like they do an hour and a half every week and you think these like and like they might have one or two really good sketches in that hour and a half and a lot of them are topical news-based sketches yeah. that don't age well. I during the pandemic, I tried to go back and watch Saturday Night Live from the beginning. Oh. Uh, and then I transition to youtube clips because i was just like <laughs> it's just kind of the more digestible well, way to watch like, it yeah. there's some genius moments like um when steve martin does his uh, dance or like the king uh, tut yeah 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 king tut was great just like uh he also does this really hilarious thing with gilda radner where he just dan- does this like overly emotive ballroom dance yeah hilarious but uh trying to sit through uh, and they have like re- like there was a lot more music when it started off. Like when it started I feel like off, they pared that down. Yeah. Um, there was a lot more live music, um, but I just 
there there's moments um well it's so funny when you like comparing saturday night live to a pure like sketch show like key and peel yeah or Chappelle show there's just so many like sometimes this like i i i i don't think it's a negative comparison i just think that they they have a higher volume um it's it's a higher volume game you're 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 turning things skits around like so quickly and i think it's become distracting for me in recent years because i can't not see them reading the cue cards and for whatever reason like back in the 90s when i was watching lots of snl reruns on comedy central like i i wouldn't I wouldn't clock that. Like, I, I'm sure they were doing it then, but like, when I watch modern clips, I'm very aware that they are reading a, a cue card that they're probably just seeing for the first time right then and there. Like, famously, they tweak the show right up until uh, they go live. Steve, do you think they still use cue cards to this day? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, they, they do. absolutely not, do. Not just a teleprompter. No, I think uh, it's actually like cards. physical cue cards. Yeah, because yeah. because yeah, they they need okay. to just like make quick changes on the fly. So yeah, I think they do use just like uh, ink and paper. Yeah, so all this to say is that uh, Wayne's World was a standout skit for this show, and I think it, it helped emphasize Mike Myers' own unique kind of thing. Like, his his thing is sort of hard to define. Um, well, it's interesting because, like, he was such a character actor, um, but Wayne is so much closer to himself than, like, say, Austin Powers yeah. or the Love Guru or um, other characters that he's played. And he's kind of just doing like a thick Canadian accent, even though he's set in uh, Illinois, but he is kind of just doing his own accent. And then you have Dana Carvey, who is, for my money, the best performer that's ever been on Saturday Night Live. I think he is the funniest. I think Oof. he's the best. And he, he hasn't had the post SNL career that he deserved, but I think he is number one on the college. Like, it's a toss up between him and Phil Hartman for me. I think those mm -hmm. two were like the OGs, but uh, I don't know. That's he, He's up there for me. Uh, I'm a big Bill Hader fan. I do love Bill Hader. Bill Hader's in the conversation for sure. But, you know, it, it's it, it's all interesting. Either way, like I think, like I said, the movie succeeds because it doesn't stick to the format that they establish in the show. And I think the movie itself is very shaggy. Like it doesn't, it has a plot, but it doesn't, it, it, it takes lots of like deviations. It takes lots of little like side things. There's kind of like little skits like built into the movie mm -hmm. throughout, but it's not a sketch comedy movie. Um, they they break format. They break the fourth wall. They're they're having a lot of fun just kind of being irreverent. And uh, <laughs> I forgot how meta this movie was. Oh yeah. Because uh, then you know there's multiple times where they just start talking to the camera. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, the three endings are like where they're good. The where they break endings. to have all the commercials. Yeah. Like. And then uh, I I love the Terminator Two reference. What a great get too! They actually got Robert Patrick just, like fresh just, off that movie. Yeah, he just like looks on and goes, "Oh no!" Like, oh. <laughs> See, they they try to follow that up in Wayne's World Two with the uh, dinosaur from Jurassic Park, and it doesn't work quite as well. Like it's a bit sweatier, but like that's such a good gag. Yeah, oh. I mean, and I think kind of the secret sauce of this movie is that it's very warm-hearted mm -hmm. and the guys like as much as like a lot of the the press you read is like oh two nitwits open their own show it's like no these guys are actually not dumb like they're amiable and they're friendly but they're actually more like high status like bugs bunny types yeah you know they're they're fucking with everybody including like the audience because they're they're hip to it you know they're kind of ahead of everybody in that regard 
they're ahead of everybody and they just they're so much fun they're so likable like garth like you talk about dana carvey garth is so likable he's a sweetheart he's such a sweetheart and he's just like i i love how he's like this quintessentially uh demure shy guy that is just like hiding behind his hair um in, in such a, an adorable way and i like i love the gag where he looks at that very attractive uh, I feel like she was really famous. Was she married to like a Rolling Stone? No, that's Donna Dixon. She is been she's been well close to a Rolling Stone. She's been married to Dan Aykroyd for oh, like forty years. Okay. Yeah, but she was like a model and like kind of a sex symbol of the seventies and eighties. Uh, but I love like when he like just gets blown off. The- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he just like swings back, like like blows backwards, and then his little fantasy of him singing "Foxy Lady" is so cute. Oh, so then, we can talk about the music, but first, oh, I love "Foxy Lady." It's like one of like song. such a great song, and the way he curls his lips when he sings foxy and he does a little like two fingers <laughs> but, for the ears like yeah it's so cute i mean i think this movie has a lot of affection for this like metalhead subculture like even all the guys that are in their crew are just like big dumb sweeties who are kind of down for everything there's one guy who just can't stop saying he loves everybody because he's just so <laughs> overwhelming with overwhelmed with love for everything like I feel like the the perception we have of this scene around this time is like in Arnold Schwarzenegger movies where he has to like bust into a club and kill a bunch of people and like stop a drug dealer, you know? These are not those dudes. These are all like super chill, super happy guys who just like loud music. Yeah, yeah, which is usually how that goes. Uh, in my experience, yeah, yeah, right? Like horror fans and metal fans tend to be like so the sweetest I was people. a member of the Rock and Metal Society at Aberdeen University. Oh, very uh, nice. And they were the sweetest guys. There were about 40 of them and there was like three women and we would go out to a metal club and like it was the safest, most protected, warmest people that I've ever met and they were just such sweethearts. Yeah. Yeah, it's not even like a like a gatekeepy kind of thing, you know. They're they're always pretty like chill and welcoming to people, you know. It's yeah, and I think it's helpful like with them and the horror fans because they have an outlet, you know, for all this like dark rage and stuff that people tend to uh, uh, quash, you know. But they they have an outlet, and that makes them happier people. I think, in my experience, I'm not speaking universally, of course, but yeah, I think it, this just. It, Everything just kind of works here. And I feel like this movie has such an outsized impact on pop culture of the era. Like all of the slang that's in this movie has kind of just become like part of the lexicon. Mm -hmm. Like so people, you know, uh, I know The Office is like hugely popular now. This is where that's where she said comes from. Like, I guess it goes all the way back to the 1800s where it's like an old <laughs> slang phrase or whatever. But like, this is the movie that popularized. That's what she said. This is the movie that uh, began as if uh, this began saying not after saying something, you know, a lot of these like Borat would would take that. And like lots of these things would be co-opted into other parts of culture. But it kind of all starts here with this very goofy, very unassuming movie. Um and then one of the biggest impacts that this movie had was with the song Bohemian Rhapsody. Yes. So I want to dig into this a little bit. Like Queen released Bohemian Rhapsody in 1975. And I think it was like a modest success back then. It did better in the UK than it did here. I think here it only reached number nine on the Billboard charts. That's the highest it ever got back in the 70s. And then people kind of forgot about it. They look at it as like a goofy, like b-tier queen song you know it's like oh yeah this is no like we will rock you or anything like that 
And then this movie comes out. There's the great scene where they're like all headbanging to this song in the car. And after it becomes popular, the, the soundtrack is a huge seller. And Bohemian Rhapsody became the number two song on the Billboard charts. And it stayed in the top 10 for 17 weeks. It's now gone 10 times platinum. And it's the title of the biopic about Queen. Like, so it's it, it, it got this boost from like this weird prog rock kind of castaway from the 70s to the most iconic song from the most iconic band. And also probably helped to reintroduce Queen to the next generation. 100%. I didn't know who they were. being born around the time Bohemian Rhapsody came out. Um, mm-hmm. Or even later because, you know, it was uh, 17 years difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's just kind of like undeniable. It's like you'll 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 hear pe- people do this in karaoke. All I the time. like. Uh, I was uh, I so I'm a bit of a hippie, and I was living in a co-op with like 20 people, mm. and we were out at um like a, a local bar in uh, in North Austin, and we were all sitting at a picnic table, and we did the whole Bohemian Rhapsody. Like like when somebody dropped, somebody picked it up, yeah. and we just did it, and it was just like. It's like the Bohemian Rhapsody is such a communal experience. It belongs to all of us. It I is. I remember we had a we had a company party at one point, and there was karaoke at the end, which was usually just a lot of drunk people doing karaoke. But uh, I was on the team that was pretty closely knit at that point, and we were kind of joking around saying we should do something. Yeah. And me or somebody else suggested uh, that we should do Bohemian Rhapsody, and the person who was the most wanting to do karaoke was like, I don't know what that is. And we're like, what is wrong with you? And then literally seven, eight minutes later, somebody and like two people are doing Bohemian Rhapsody. And he goes, this is the song I wanted us to do. And we're like, this is Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> right. Goes, you just didn't oh, know the name. Oh, yeah. okay. He didn't know the name of it, but he knew the song. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, and this was the youngest guy on the team. I, I heard this song for the first time on the radio around the time this movie came out. And I thought it was a comedy song because they were doing like the... <laughs> I, I thought it was so funny that they're going like, I see a little silhouette of a man. Like, I always thought that was so funny and like the scaramouche and all that. Like, so I thought this was like a joke song. I, I want to see you sing the song at karaoke just like that. Just in this voice. So oh, nothing really matters. Everyone can see. <laughs> now you're going Kermit with yeah. it. I, I, I cool. like that That's direction Kermit, too. Yeah. Nothing peg piggy. You know. Yeah, I can't do it. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty cool that like a movie can kind of give a boost to this song in that way, like uh, and, and sort of reintroduce it into the pop culture in like a way that I don't think anybody really intended. I know Mike Myers did insist on using this song like the, the studio wanted a Guns N' Roses song. Because they felt like that was something more that these guys would listen to. Mm-hmm. And Myers like actually threw his weight around a little bit and threatened to walk off the movie if he didn't get this song. So And, and, and it, it was probably really, cheaper than a Guns N' Roses song at this time, too. Mm-hmm. It definitely fits them as characters and as a group more than listening to Welcome to the Jungle or something. In the right. Because they're not um, snobby. That's the thing. They're not snobby right. about the music. They're, they're kind of just like they a good song is a good song. Yeah. You know? They're there to have a good time, not to listen to cool rock song. Right. Uh, and let's celebrate Tia Carrera for singing all of her own songs. Okay. I was oh. talking about this. Yeah. we. I was talking about this like watching the movie. I'm just like, it is surprising to me that Tia Carrera didn't like super blow up after this movie. It yeah. felt like she was being groomed, like she was going to be the next something. 
but she's <laughs> like the next the next I, I don't know I who, the next Julia Roberts into I don't a know. TV because I was interested I was I thought the exact same things when I rewatched today I was like because like I know Tia Carrera yeah both from this and from the underrated syndicated television show Relic Hunter um, oh Relic Hunter <laughs> of which I love it was Tomb Raider what's Tomb Raider we've never seen we've Tomb never, Raider we're called Relic Hunter Ra- or Relic Hunter yeah uh, we're a cross between Indiana Jones and Xena um <laughs> Patent pending, patent pending. Yeah. Um, but uh, I was like, why didn't she blow up? And like, I think she was in a general hospital like contract that like oh, really that okay. like handcuffed her success. Because she she had the Wayne's World movies. She had True Lies, where she's like the villain, and and then that's and then Relic Hunter, and that's yeah. kind of the end of her arc. And she is somebody who is like a multiple threat. Like Uh, she's very beautiful and she's also a pretty solid comedic actress and she can sing. Um, and she did, um, uh, Lila, Lilo's, uh, uh, from Lilo and Stitch's sister. Oh, um, that's well. right. She's really good in that. Yeah. Uh, she is really good in that, and she's a really good actress. Uh, and like, I haven't seen her later stuff because evidently she was on um, Dancing with the Stars. Oh, and so I've never seen it. it. Yeah, I've, I love dancing. I have never watched Dancing with the Stars. Yeah, uh, I'm not interested in ballroom. Dance. I feel like I, I feel like why. there's a generational gap when people. Like there's a certain p- age when people just stopped watching network TV. And, there 100 percent is, yeah. And then it's... there's like this big divide. Like, um, and I, I, I think some of it also comes down to like, um, the rise of Trump with The Apprentice was like the yeah. people watching him at home, um, getting him getting indoctrinated to liking him. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, he's just a charming rascal. Yeah. yeah but um uh <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's the that's another thing with network TV. Wayne's World was always on TV. That that one really helped too. This is like a, a basic cable staple. Like it's it's anytime you turn on a TNT or a TBS in a hotel room, like in the nineties <laughs> this was on, you know. It's like this or die hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh you know and uh they've been Bandying about the idea for a sequel for a long time. You know, they, it, this was like a quick, like, double tap that came out between 92 and 93, both movies, and that's it. Uh, Mike Myers is pretty famously difficult to deal with. And I think there was a big rift between him and uh, Dana Carvey because Mike Myers stole uh, Dr. Evil from him. Like, Dr. Evil is Dana Carvey's impression of Lorne Michaels. And that, like, he feels that Mike Myers kind of stole the character that he was doing and, like, turned it into his movie and didn't even invite him to be in the film. Uh, and he clashed with Penelope Spheris on this movie. Like, he, he kind of clashes with everybody. So, like, I, I think I think the ship has kind of sailed. They did a Super Bowl commercial a couple years ago. Do you guys remember this? Like, Mm-mm. they they brought both Myers and Carvey back, and they got in costume and everything. And they... I, I don't want to, like, was shame Was not this most recent Super Bowl? I think it was the one before this, but I could be wrong. But I'll, I'll, the last three years are all one big chunk of time. <laughs> yeah, Pandemic yes. brain. But, like, I, I don't want to, like, shame anyone's appearance or anything. But, like, they obviously they're both older. That's not a problem. I think maybe they were using makeup or a filter or some kind of botched plastic surgery, but they both looked really waxy and weird. Like their heads were gigantic and they just, it just made me look, feel a little sad. And it was for like an Xfinity commercial or something, you know? So it's not like it, it wasn't even like a worthwhile reason to bring them back. Uh, 
Oh, it's so interesting because, like, if you think about what you said earlier about them being like an early form of the podcast of a podcast, yeah, it'd be so cool to see Wayne and Garth like being doing a podcast Absolutely. rather than a, like a cable network show. I think it would be so much fun, um, or like an animated series or something. Like, yeah, I just don't like. I, they they have such great chemistry on stage, uh, or on um on on the show, film. yeah, yeah, um, and like they're so like, um, I love it when they break the fourth wall, like, yes. and um, they're breaking the fourth wall constantly, and they're like they have so many little bits and party, um, that like the whole, it's just so likable, um, and I love. Rob Lowe in this. We have not talked about Rob Lowe. We haven't talked about Rob Lowe. This is a weird thing I want to highlight, too. Rob Lowe was in two, like, really iconic 90s comedies. It was Wayne's World and Tommy Boy. He's uncredited in both, and I don't understand why. Which which one was Rob Lowe? He's the villain. He's, like, the the slick, like, okay. corporate guy. Like, yeah. yeah. Still incredibly successful guy. He's just, he's in a, a TV show right now. Yeah. And people kind of forget, like, at this point in his career, he was kind of persona non grata because he was just off of a sex tape scandal um, with... Oh. Uh, uh, some some young ladies who turned out to be maybe slightly south of eighteen. Um, I, I think they did finally like the the. the it, it was one of those things like the girls came forward and said, "Yeah, we lied about our age." Like he he didn't he wasn't out seeking young women, but he did make a sex tape with some young women, and so I think it took a little bit to rehab his career. He was kind of a leading man in the eighties, and then the nineties he kept kind of a lower profile in smaller villain roles like this and then parks and rec gave him kind of a career resurgence but uh he he is a great like slick asshole like yeah. you know he he's who you need like when you it sounds gross that's, but yeah that's the name of my new metal band oh, oh that's a good one yeah yeah great yeah. slick asshole <laughs> rob Lowe and the slick assholes yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know i think he is really good in this like in just kind of a uh perfectly smarmy kind of way well, he, he leads off because he's like this stock character is so popular in the 80s, but he definitely brings this stock character into the 90s by speaking uh, Cantonese, uh, right. being uh, being more in tune with the women rather than just exploiting the women yeah. and being uh, being eye candy for the women. Because in yeah. the 80s, the guys were just like over the top, but they weren't eye candy for the one like there wasn't like uh and like this film being shot by a woman i can't help but think that that she definitely brought some of the female gaze uh oh yeah to to the screen yeah but a shout out to penelope spheres for directing this she did awesome um and again she 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 and mike myers did not get along she was not invited back for the sequel which is a bummer because i think she probably could have uh, uh done a better job with that but yeah no i think there's a lot to that like that he he is more cultured and worldly and he's not he's never like outwardly gross to yeah the, to, yeah, to uh, cassandra yeah he's not he he's just kind of working the charm and like you know obviously he he's he's set up as the guy who just is everything that wayne isn't you know like he is very rich he's very successful he's very serious you know and uh so it provides that kind of counterpoint and it helps give wayne a little bit more in personality because now he's got this insecurity you know that he's not going to be good enough and uh I think he works really well. Like, yeah, I mean, just everything in this movie just kind of pops for me. Like, there's nothing in this where I look back on and kind of cringe. 
Um, that was really surprising for mm-hmm. me because I, I mentioned um, like going back and watching old comedy can be a dicey situation. Yeah. It really can. And even Wayne's World 2 has like this protracted like kung fu battle with James Hong where they're like poorly dubbed and it's just like kind of it's a little iffy that that part makes you cringe a little bit this one is still pretty evergreen like there's nothing particularly offensive here yeah and apparently Mike Myers actually knew how to speak Cantonese that yeah was I believe something so, that I yeah. googled while watching the movie I was like is this I don't know if this is actually words that they're saying because I am an uncultured person yeah um and apparently, no, yeah, he, he knew Cantonese, yeah. and that was probably why that was a language that was chosen. I might be um, wrong if I, I, I'm, I, I feel like I have it in my head that one of his parents was a diplomat at some point, like various postings, like a Canadian know. diplomat, but I, I could be confusing that with somebody else. Um, but either way, I think we can all agree that the greatest legacy that this movie has to offer is the Super Nintendo video game <laughs> entitled Wayne's World. I think it's time that we get into this because not the bang as, soundtrack. As we've described, like this is a pretty shaggy movie that like it, it has some fun. It has some like a goofy little breaking the, the format moments, but nothing about it particularly lends itself to a uh, action video game. So how did they approach this? All right, so this game came out, uh, it was on the NES and the Super NES. It came out in 1993, uh, so a little after the movie had already come out and come onto video and everything like that. Uh, So it's definitely capitalizing on that trend. Um, This is, it's a hard to describe game because it, it simultaneously doesn't get this franchise at all, but also like tries to imbue a little bit of the spirit of it, I would argue. Like, <laughs> I, th- I think it's trying to like, it's there like are a, a lot of games that like are from this era, especially where this was clearly just like a bad, like something, something knockoff. It was clearly just like a different, it was clearly a game meant for a different purpose. This feels like it was built from the ground up to be a Wayne's World game. I, I don't know they just about that. got mm. it wrong. I, I have to disagree with you on that. I think this okay. is some sort of like musical education game. <laughs> got horribly <laughs> awry. <laughs> They so, teach you that you should be hitting your bagpipes. So the, the for anybody who has no idea what's going on in this game, it's just like a, an old-timey, side-scrolly, platformery type of game where you play as Wayne with a guitar yeah. trying to go rescue Garth, and it is very monotonous, but you you are just... We, only, we never got past the first level. It's, uh, we really tried. Monotonous, but, but hard. Monotonous, but hard. And yeah. you... You only get a few hits of damage. Every time you go down, there's no checkpoints. You have to go back to the beginning. But uh, you just shoot instruments that are fighting you with a guitar. Okay, yeah, let's 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 explain. Blast. Let's explain a little bit of the premise of this game because <laughs> this is insane. All right, it is taking something that is mentioned offhand in the movie. There's a scene where they're interviewing their new sponsor. He's the owner of an arcade. And he says his most popular game is called Xantar, where you fight this giant gelatinous cube. All right, so as this game opens, we get this really bad, like, digitized image of Wayne and Garth doing their show. 
and they're giving a top 10 list of the top 10 worst games they played at Noah's Arcade. And some of these titles are kind of funny. Like they're, there's like regarding Henry the game, like, or, or, or weird things like that. Uh, 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 Timmy the tick or something like that. Important thing to note, there is no voice lines for this entire section. It's all text I mean, only. it's it's Super Nintendo, so you're you're getting audio samples, but, like, not much. Yeah. They, they try and do, like, the extreme close-up thing. It looks really weird. Uh, but then they explain that, like, the number one worst game they played was Xantar the Cube because... Uh, turns out Garth got sucked into the arcade cabinet and kidnapped by this cube, and Wayne had to go in after him. Normal thing that happens to every person all the time. And Very then they do the doodly doo doodly do, and they go back and they have a flashback, and now it's Wayne who's like a cartoon with a large head and a guitar, and you are fighting living instruments. The first level's supposed to be a music store, but apparently it's the most like. It's a music store designed to buy Clive Barker or something. It's like <laughs> this circuitous, like endless labyrinth full of animatronic things that are trying to kill you. And, and there's like electricity everywhere. And like your only weapon is this guitar that can only shoot in a straight line in front of you. You can get some little power ups that like make your sound waves a little bigger or a little wigglier, but they all do about the same thing, right? Like I didn't notice any big mm -hmm. difference. Mm -hmm. Like uh, th there was the one that made it shoot faster. However, the rate that it shot was never the problem. <laughs> right. That was never the issue. Yeah, that was never the issue. The issue was just that it, like you don't have range with this weapon. And that usually the way the game... I, I think the fact that your sprite for Wayne is so big that you don't have a lot of room to maneuver into mm -hmm. a place where you can safely like take these things out. And also... Because uh, it's a platform, you're basically jumping onto like speaker cabs and stuff yeah. to get around. There's lots of and electricity between them. Yeah, yeah. and so uh, the the like hitboxes for the platforms is weirdly small. Yes. So half the time you're like halfway jumping onto it. You're at least getting half of you on top. And you still fall through because it doesn't register that you're on it. Like, yeah, it's uh, it's clear to your eyes that you have made it onto this platform, mm -hmm. but the game strongly disagrees. Yes. <laughs> yes, uh, it it's like, no, I counter, sir. I counter your argument. So there are bagpipes that shoot things. Yes. There are large drums with cymbals that try to get you. But by far, tumba. Tumba the most villainous thing... Are the kazoos <laughs> fucking kazoos? Okay, they make this horrible little sound. They don't sound quite like kazoos, but you can see that they're like kind of floating around. And these are aerial enemies. And remember, you only have one attack that only moves straight in a straight line in front of you, so you can't shoot these things above you. Uh, so you just have to kind of avoid them, or you can use this game's big power up, which of course is the swing. <laughs> All right. It took us a little bit to figure out what this was because we had to. We had to. I had to look up the manual and figure out what this was and how it works. It's like we keep finding this arrow. It's just like an up arrow, and when Wayne gets it, he says "swing," but like that's not necessarily like tipping us off about what this is because he's saying like lines all the time. Like every time you get a power up, he says "excellent." Every time you take damage, he says "not." Like so, you're hearing a lot of his voice at this time. I'm not thinking much about it. Then we look it up. It turns out your swing is actually a room-clearing attack. Like, you press the screen A button. Screen clearing. That's screen more clearing. important. <laughs> yeah, screen clearing. Uh, yeah, basically, everything is going to die while Wayne makes, like, a boner pose with his guitar. <laughs> 
So this is a game literally about you uh, using your boner to kill kazoos, <laughs> which is a part of the movie I think I missed. Yeah, literally, it's it kills everything that's on screen, but there's rarely two things on the screen, and it's almost always two fucking kazoos coming at you like grackles in an H-E-B parking lot. <laughs> that's something uh, for the Texas listeners. Yeah, It's, it's such... Oh, and then there's no rooms. Uh, it's just platforms and... Uh, when you get to the edge of a wall, it's just like a cinder block wall that goes up a long distance and eventually you meander around yeah. it. Uh, so, dear listener, you will learn uh, I hate jumping games. <laughs> However, and I'm, I'm sorry in advance you're going to be playing a lot of them. I know, I know. I, I, I've, 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 uh, Come to terms. I'll, I'll, I have another thing to say about that in a second. Yeah. But, um, so, but they have these fun jumping uh, on uh, drums, and I think that's the funnest part of the game. That was jump, the highlight. Is, is jumping from drum to drum to drum to drum to drum. That was the funnest part. Uh, but, like, this reminded me of... Uh, we've all gone soft. Yeah. We've all gone soft as video game players because we can save and we don't have this. <laughs> yeah. We don't have this endless, like, I don't know when I, I play a game, I like save every five seconds. Well, maybe not every five seconds, but yeah. I like, I do excessively save. Uh, and this you're just, you're just like, Oh, nope, you're dead. You're dead. You're nope. You're, nope. Or you, you, very dead. you take it for granted. That the game is saving itself. Like without you having to worry and about then, it. Yeah. Let me, let me say that there's a very useless system in the game, which is that you have lives. Yeah. And when you hit the end of the lives, you get the game over screen. However, no matter what happens when you die, whether or not you have lives, you still start over. Yeah, you're starting all the way the over. The only thing is that if you really care about your score, then And that's... who cares about a score at this point? Yeah. This is not an arcade game. This is not like a competitive game. It's also insane that this is one player because the very premise of this show and this these characters is that they're a dyad, right? Mm -hmm. They're like a dyad in the force. And you put them together and like you can have a fun... Like, <laughs> dyad I'm not talking about Star Wars. I'm talking about that normal <laughs> thing. Everybody knows about dyads in the force. Everyone knows. Everyone knows it and loves it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's this. This is kind of custom built to be a two player game. And it feels so weird to have Garth be the Princess Peach of this game, basically. Um, anyway, that's a digression. But yeah. Yeah. And so I think we played for almost an hour and yeah. we never even beat the first level constantly passing around we, we beat the first stage of the first level but there are four levels in total i think they each have like three stages <laughs> and then well <laughs> we were playing on advanced modern hardware with the capability of save states yes so we took a save state at that point because there was no checkpoint no check if points. you died even if you just ran out of hits and you know you respawned you were at the very beginning anyway. Yeah. So it meant nothing that there was this here. I mean, uh, like, you know, last week we played the the mummy game, which had a very clearly laid out map. Like it also had very big labyrinthine levels, but there was a map. It was pretty clear on how to navigate through it. And this points. game, like, I feel like it, it, the whole level is just one massive world that requires you to, like, go down, go up, go left, right. You, you're never quite sure where you need to go. There's no real arrows indicating, so There's it's very no easy map. to get lost. And every single – to paint a picture, it's like you're supposed to be at an instrument store, like a music store. Yeah. But the entire stage is basically built with the, like, metal – 
scaffolding that's used to for like rock sets yeah for like this this is the the system you know we have the speakers hanging here we have some lights hanging from here it's like all of that scaffolding is what the entire level is built out of this could have been easily repurposed as like backstage at a show like <laughs> yeah. that would be that would make sense for these characters they would be they go to concerts in the movie and there's only like 30 total what the hell? That was, was a that? dog. Oh god. That's Ailish making a dog noise. Uh, <laughs> that scared the shit out of me. Um there's there's only like 30 assets total for this entire level. Yeah. And we were there for an hour. And I'm talking like every platform. There was two different platforms. I think it was really only like one type of platform. Yeah. Um and then the scaffolding was all the background with just the occasional sign that said either no stairway or 500 volts that's it i mean Can, they are keeping the no stairway joke yeah, which they, they are keeping the no stairway joke which i it's really fun because like um i've been to actual guitar stores that have had signs that say no stairway and i don't know whether or not it's like what started first the no stairway from garth um wayne and garth um Wayne's World, or whether or not No Stairway was something that they saw at a store and then they brought it in. My my very loose understanding, like my my remembrance of like you know having a brief period in my high school years where I wanted to learn guitar and then realizing I sucked at it and stopping, is that uh, uh, Stairway is kind of one of those songs that people stereotypically like to break out to prove how good they are at guitar. So like you go into a and and it's like a seven or eight minute long song. So. They're probably just like, no, we don't want you sitting here playing this song for eight minutes. Like that that's probably like the bane of the music store. It's like the I... modern equivalent of showing up at a coffee shop and somebody's playing fucking uh Wonderwall. Today. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. We're thinking the same thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would love it though if this whole thing got started because they couldn't get the rights to Stairway to Heaven. I I'm wondering if that's the case. That would be uh, pretty funny. Little sidebar. One time I it was another company outing thing where we were there's a bunch of people went to a bar down on Rainy Street after work. And uh after a little while somebody started playing Wonderwall and yeah. I'm like, Great, this is what it's gonna be. And then they switched into another cover of another song and I'm like Good thing they didn't finish Wonderwall. Yeah. They get a solid chunk of the way through, and then I start hearing Wonderwall again. This was a cover medley where the bridge between every song was going back into Wonderwall. Wow. And then doing a verse slash chorus of Wonderwall and then going back into another song. This man made Wonderwall go on for like 20 minutes. This I was a, going to cry. This is a very Austin thing. This sounds extremely <laughs> Austin to me. Yeah. Speaking <laughs> of repetitive music, um, <laughs> let's give a moment of silence, or not literally, but a metaphorical moment of silence for all the great genius video game music composers because that was not here that was they, not here yeah oh no this was actually by john williams but he was just, <laughs> he was just slumming he, he's just like oh i my cat ran across my synthesizer they, they legitimately it was like they had played doom yeah and we we're like oh i kind of liked this but this might be a little too extreme for the wayne's world game so they tuned it, it down like Dune. yeah they, they toned it down a bit and only made 
maybe 15 to 20 seconds of music and then just looped it. Yeah. 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 It's just a nonstop loop. And then keep in mind, your weapon is music. So uh, every time you press the button to launch your sound attack, you're hearing the same exact note. And as you discovered, like sometimes the best way to walk through a level is just by spamming on that guitar button <laughs> to clear out things that are sometimes. ahead of you. It's not a bad strategy, but it also means you're hearing na, 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 on top of the already grown, like droning, like music. And, the worst part is that it doesn't even sound like you're actually strumming a guitar. Yeah. It just sounds like some weirdly distorted, like, synth note. Yeah. And you're like, this maybe sounds like a guitar. Well, and they they have, like, in the opening credits, they have kind of a digitized version of the closing credits song from the movie. Like, the Wayne's World song that uh, Mike Myers and Dana Carvey are singing. And you could have used that. Like, it's not necessarily less annoying but it would have a little you verisimilitude you know twinkle like, twinkle little star on yeah. a loop and that probably would have been more tolerable because <laughs> the loop duration would have been longer yeah 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 it was it was just kind of really repetitive i don't know man twinkle twinkle little star is a banger i mean it's a banger it's oh it's man i'm just always waiting for the beat to drop in that oh, yeah boom twinkle twinkle little star oh yeah yeah <laughs> Now, now I want to see a club DJ who just does like nursery rhyme. Like domain, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody, we're gonna do the ABC song. Fuck Make some yeah. noise for K. Yeah. Anyway, I should be a DJ. I think that's my, I missed my calling. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the Wayne's World video game. Uh, would you be shocked to believe that uh, there weren't any more? <laughs> no, no more. There were no more SNL games uh, after this either, like uh, because I don't think you could make a game of Night at the Roxbury necessarily, unless it's like a weird rhythm action game or something. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't. I would be surprised to find out if more effort went into this development than the game of ET. Um, it's hard to say. I mean, and like I'm assuming. Because ET was one person. ET was like, one person. This one, had one to be month, three one pound of cocaine. Yeah, <laughs> this had to be like they they paid a dude to come in with a synthesizer for an hour. Yeah, and that's where they got the bet the soundtrack. And then they had either a one developer who also did the art, or they just contracted an artist to make art for something and yeah. they just used it for this game yeah yeah um because there really wasn't much going on it was a very gray and brown game um yeah and uh not not in any way shape or form was it interesting or uh complex right like it, the it, bongos was the best part jumping on the drums and the little bongo type thing that's and... the thing it's it's one of those horrible cases where like the best thing you can say about it is that uh i've played worse you know mm -hmm. like i would argue et was probably worse yeah you know? no et e was worse yeah uh but you know that's not when, when that's the best thing you can say about your game. That's not really uh, glowing praise. There was a lot of games from the '90s that uh, played that had the exact same general play to it. Yeah, none of them were good. None of them were good. Um, Unless like they were Disney. Yeah, the Disney well, ones kind of knocked it out of the park. The, well, the Disney ones to me, that's like a more advanced version of this because they had you know actual things happening they had mul multiple levels the levels were more straightforward 
and they had better developers. They were working with like Virgin right. Interactive or Interplay. Like, yeah, and, they they had better games. And here we had just this absolute labyrinth that there was no there was no natural progression in your mind of yeah. like this is where I'm going. This is where I've been. It was the amount of times we went. Have we? Have we been here before? I think we're going the right way. <laughs> That's it's like we yeah. have to go with the tried and true. There's bad guys over here, so that means we're probably going in a correct direction. Yeah, if you struggle with like keeping your direction straight, then you're gonna have a real hard time with this game. Yeah, yeah. There, there was one part that uh, there's just we found two different spots where this happened. Just a missile attacks you, but it's only on screen for like half a second. Yeah, you so don't really... you don't have time to prepare. You don't have time to dodge. Yeah. By the time you are on the screen, like near where it's going to be, it's hit you. Already. And you also like done. don't even have the ability to do anything about it. But at one point, I was like, I feel like I'm someplace we haven't been. Maybe, but yeah. I haven't seen the missile yet. I just missed it, and that's what happened because you couldn't. I couldn't tell what was happening, and well, then we figured out. Oh, okay, the missile was basically useless well you know mm-hmm. what you gotta do of course you gotta use your swing yeah you, use, you gotta swing that flute I, swing you, that yeah, is i think it might have been a flute missile like it looked uh, maybe in, in keeping with flute in keeping Did with the theme ever play flute missile? lounge lizard larry oh yeah uh, uh, Cause cause i was trying leisure, to think of leisure suit larry leisure suit larry, the land larry, cause of i was trying to think of what other <laughs> video game might have powers of boners and that was the only one <laughs> That might okay. The segue makes. I, I was trying to now. think too because like I'm, I'm thinking the games like Conquer's Bad Fur Day on N64 and like that's all poop humor, but I don't think there's much like boner humor in that. I, I was like, where? Well, there was a little bit. You said whatever you said, and I'm like, that doesn't ring anything. And you said Leisure Suit Larry, and I'm like, that's a very different kind of game. Yeah. So I'm glad, now like I point see, click, yeah, yeah, where you were going for boner humor, um, boner powers, yeah, connections, um, connections. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was a Caligula game, but I didn't play that. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> was there really? There Are was you not. making that no, up? No, I'm making that up. <laughs> Everything out of my mouth is a lie. Um, all right, well, let's let's uh, give our rankings here. So each week we are uh, ranking the games and movies that we just played. So is this going to be a good movie, good game, a good movie, bad game, a bad movie, good game, or a bad movie, bad game? What do you guys think? I, uh, I think it's pretty solidly in the good movie, bad game category. I feel like so many of our games are going to be living in that zone. <laughs> but, you know, I'm looking forward to the ones that really transcend. I'm with you on that. Yeah, J-Ban is going to enjoy each and every one of them. Oh, 100%, especially the platformers. Yeah. I'm going to say good game. Oh, wait, sorry. What? No, 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 no. Okay, Hot wait. Twist. Good movie. She really loved those bongos. Good mo- I did love those bongos. Uh, good movie, bad game uh, with the asterisk uh that um it's not et it's not yeah. et it's not et yeah i feel like that asterisk is going to apply to a lot of games i'm really curious to see what the game is that's finally worse because <laughs> it must be out there there's going to be a game that we hate more i think if we found one that was frustrating enough maybe yeah now I want to know if somebody just made a game that was essentially the drum sequences. Yeah. You're just j- jumping around bouncing. It's like jumping on a trampoline pretty much. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's like Flappy Bird style. You're just trying to navigate horizontally or vertically instead of horizontally. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I could see it happening. Developers get on this. <laughs> 
All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. I've got kind of a big uh, a curveball to throw at you guys next week. A, a movie I'm willing to guarantee you've never heard of because I hadn't heard of it until researching this. And a game that you would not believe in any way, shape, or form is based on this movie. We're watching a movie called Gotcha with an exclamation point at the end. This is a... Uh, it's an erotic thriller slash <laughs> slash. Oh, oh, wait for the slash. Erotic thriller slash paintball adventure. What? <laughs> cannot wait to figure out what the fuck this movie is. I don't know if it's available. I don't know if we can find it anywhere, but it's got Anthony Edwards from ER when he's very young. Like, and I- I'm so curious to see what the fuck this thing is. So we're watching gotcha exclamation point, And then we're playing the game, which is called gotcha. The game. Uh, <laughs> it's a wild ride we're in for on this one I hope it's one. as erotic I, as the movie <laughs> I mean what could be more erotic than swinging a kazoo but we'll see we'll see Wayne's Wayne's World set the no, no, tem- template it, it was swinging two kazoos yes oh I've just got confirmation that gotcha is on voodoo so thank you uh, so we will we will have a I've got a I've got a I've got a money petty in the other room yeah uh, so thank you everybody we will see you next time for gotcha gotcha